makes his face shine and the sternness of his face is changed now the idea is when somebody has wisdom not only is there a radiance to who they are but that idea of the sternness of their face changes that when someone has wisdom they also become gentle in their face now that has nothing to do with looks that has to do with the quality in the ways that we present ourselves Because I said so. A lot of us have heard this spoken to us as a child, and it's meant to communicate that we don't need to understand what we're being asked. We just need to obey. But even as adults, we don't escape that demand for obedience. We are under authority from so many places. Pastor Daniel will help us navigate that sticky issue so we can submit. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, verse 1 with part one of his message entitled, Life Under Authority. This morning we get to talk about one of the things that make life the most challenging. It's one of those parts of being alive that is the most bewildering. If you've been tracking with us in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a a common phrase that we hear over and over again and that everything's vanity. This also is vanity. And so today we're going to get to explore one of the aspects of this absurdity of life that rubs each one of us the wrong way almost all the time. And that is the issue of authority. The idea that each one of us live under different authorities in our lives. Now, I want to explain to you why this is such a rub for us. Now, do you remember back in the book of Genesis? Genesis chapter 3, when God told Adam and Eve that if they eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they will surely die. Remember that one? Now, I know everybody wants to say, oh, you know, the Lord, he's just such a big meanie, you know? It's like, why, why couldn't they eat that tree? I mean, do you realize that God gave Adam and Eve complete liberty in the garden and one prohibition? They were allowed to eat of everything except for one thing. It'd be like you walk into Costco and they're like, listen, you can eat anything you want. You just probably don't want to eat the antifreeze. You'd be like, oh, you know, of course, everyone wants to go chug the antifreeze, right? It's the one thing you're not allowed to do. But God gives them tremendous liberty and says, one thing don't do. Now, remember, when the serpent came and tempted Eve and Adam, he says, God knows when you eat of it, what? You will become like God. So the temptation is, is that God isn't really all that nice. He knows you're going to have a Godhoodness if you eat of this. Now, you know what's happened, of course, Adam and Eve ate it, and instantaneously they became like God, and by knowing not the knowledge of good and evil, but they also, in each one of our hearts, 
not only Adam and Eve, but all of humanity since then, we in our hearts take the place of the king or the queen, the throne. All of us in our hearts, in a sense, feel like we are the top dog, so to speak. And the reason we struggle with authority so much is because when in our hearts, our heart disposition is to be the ruler and we realize that we aren't the ruler, we have dissonance over that. And you, we all do. And it's not even just the fact that though some of you grew up in the 60s and you started questioning authority and some of you were raised by the people who were questioning authority. No, it's a heart condition that totally precedes the hippies. It's the fact that in all of our hearts, in our brokenness and fallenness, we want to be the ultimate authority but really, God is the ultimate authority. And not only is God the ultimate authority, each one of us have people who are authorities over us. Whether it's a boss, whether it's a parent. If you're married, according to Ephesians chapter 5, husbands are authorities over their wives, and wives are their authorities over their husbands. As we are mutually submissive. In school, there's authority. At work, there's authority. I mean, heck, some of you in your HOAs have authority. You can't even paint the, your house the color you want to. You know what I mean? And then, of course, there's governments. There's United Nations of governments. There's G6s, 8s, 3s. All there's, I mean, there's authority everywhere around us. And as much as you may want it, you are not truly an authority in your own life ever. And that's a bummer, isn't it? Because if only I was the authority, then everything would work perfectly. Isn't that, that's kind of how it goes. So there's a tremendous rub for you and I. Part of the absurdity of human life is how do we navigate life under authority? And this is what this chapter in the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. So open up in your Bibles, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. It's interesting, we're now on the downward slope towards the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be done with this book, just three or four more messages here in Ecclesiastes. But I've been having a great time in the book of Ecclesiastes because it's one of those books in the Bible that... There's so much in there for us that it's like if you're just reading through the book, you might not catch it all. But when you take time soaking in these different sections, what does it mean? How does it really relate to life? So Ecclesiastes chapter 8, and today I've entitled it Life Under Authority. And realistically, we all live under authority and most of us don't like any of it. That's the reality. And that's why life is messy. That's why this feels absurd in life sometimes because certain things you don't, aren't allowed to make decisions about. They're made for you by people who have authority over these things. And we struggle with that. So jumping right in, in verse 1, it says, Who is like a wise man and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the sternness of his faith is changed. Now, 
this links us back to the last couple of chapters we had all these wisdom saying but it is the perfect header for what we're going to look at and so to start off and to kind of give you the the overarching theme of this whole chapter we need to shine with wisdom we need to shine with wisdom now think about that for a moment because ecclesiastes is part of a a literary section in your Bible which is called wisdom literature. You have Psalms, Proverbs, the book of Job, Ecclesiastes. So this is all about wisdom. And notice what it says. Who, who is like the wise man? Who understands the interpretation of a thing? And then it says, a man's wisdom makes his face shine. And the sternness of his face is changed. Now the idea is when somebody has wisdom, not only is there a radiance to who they are, but that idea of the sternness of their face changes that when someone has wisdom, they also become gentle in their face. Now that has nothing to do with looks, that has to do with the quality in the ways that we present ourselves. So when it says that a face shines, it doesn't mean you should go on out there and buy some like bottle fake tan and put it on there to make you shine. The idea is that when a person has acquired wisdom in their hearts, there is a radiance to their countenance. There's a radiance and there's a gentleness because the sternness, it's the strength of their face. So instead of somebody being always angry or always gritting their teeth, somebody who has acquired wisdom, all of a sudden there's a gentleness. There's a, the aspect of being contented in their countenance because of the wisdom that they have found And brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that God grants his children wisdom. God wants you to walk in wisdom. The book of James says, we have not. Why? Because we ask not. It says also in the book of James that if any of us lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally, and that means excessively and without reproach. So not only when we ask for wisdom, does God lavish wisdom on you, but he doesn't get upset with you for asking. How many of you have raised children when they go through the hyper-inquisitive phase? Yeah, some of you are in that right now, right? Where every single discussion is, well, why about this? And why is this here? And why is the sky blue? And why is, why do I have to eat my green beans? And then finally, you're like, just do it, right? God's not like that. We're like that. Because we get frustrated and we just want a moment of peace and quiet. But God, when we keep asking, 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 asking what I don't understand, God is just like, yes, I want to give this to you. So brothers and sisters, we want to shine with wisdom. Now, I want you to keep your finger right there in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And I want you to turn to the left to Proverbs chapter 4. So keep that finger in Ecclesiastes 8. We're going to be coming right back to it. But I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 4. I want to read you this, a beautiful section from the book of Proverbs about wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, 
tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She will deliver you. Now, in Proverbs chapter 4, that section, you get the personification of wisdom. The her that's being discussed is wisdom. And when you look at the things that wisdom bestows on our lives as by the Holy Spirit we learn of wisdom, you realize how precious it is. Things like if you love her, she will keep you. If you forsake her, if you do not forsake her, she will preserve you. So wisdom is a preservative, something that keeps us. If we exalt wisdom, wisdom will promote us, it says. Wisdom will bring honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace. Grace will be part of your capstone. Wisdom's a crown of glory. So you see how important wisdom is. And we need wisdom. So if someone's going to say, well, it's okay, so pastor, how do I get wisdom? You need to get in your Bibles and you need to get on the knees of your heart in prayer. You need to be in the Word of God. If there was ever a time that the people of God needed to get themselves knee deep in the Word of God, it's right now. Because we live in a soundbite culture, but the issues of our culture and world are not soundbite fixable. They're not. And even though it makes for good news or a good Twitter feed, we realize that the issues that we are confronting as a global village today needs a wisdom that is not earthly, but is eternal. A wisdom that has everything in view. And brothers and sisters, that's not coming from anywhere except the Almighty God. It's not coming from anywhere else. Everybody's had their chance. Nobody has it. And we need to get into the Word of God. Not only reading it, but saying, God, not only do I want to know your Word, I want to know your heart in your Word. Saying, God, I need you to help me see this not from my vantage point or some opposing vantage point, but from your vantage point, who sees the beginning and the end as if it's the perpetual right now. That sees not only fixing it in the moment, but the consequences that come from it. We need to get deep into the things of God's word and God's heart. The old disciplines. Not a new set of disciplines. The old time religion. And I'm here to tell you that we have such access to so much information that all of us are without excuse because no matter what your learning style is, no matter what your issues with 
I don't like reading. I don't comprehend things well. You know, no matter what it is, there is an opportunity for you. Because you're like, hey, I don't like reading. Well, get it on MP3. Like, I don't do MP3. Get it on CD. Get it on A-Track. You can even get it on record. You say, well, when I read it and I hear it, I don't understand it. Listen, you can get teaching from everybody and their mom's poodle at this point. It's true. You go online. You can type in a verse. And you're going to find a million different sets of commentaries that are right there. You don't even have to buy it. It's all just sitting there like, well, I don't have an access to a computer. There's the thing called a library. They still have computers there, and those things still exist. Trust me. We need wisdom. You know why? Not only so that we have it for ourselves and the world we live, but God wants his people's faces to shine with wisdom. It says in the book of Psalms, chapter 34, verse 5, that they looked unto him and they were radiant. Part of this is about the witness of the people of God in the world today, which if we can just put it out on the table, the witness of the church of Jesus Christ in the world today isn't so shiny, is it? It's not. But brothers and sisters, as we like to say here at Crossroads, We can't redo whatever happened yesterday. You and I have responsibility for today. Yesterday was what it was. And when we have to say, hey, we messed that whole thing up, we'll say, hey, we messed that whole thing up. But today's a new day. And God's mercy is new every morning. And you and I, brothers and sisters, we need wisdom. I don't don't know about you. I need wisdom. I'm saying, Lord, I want your wisdom. And it only comes from his word and in prayer from his mind and heart as we pray and seek him together. So brothers and sisters, we need and want to shine with wisdom. And in order to think about authority, it needs to begin with we need wisdom. We want to shine with wisdom. Now look at what happens. Turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. As we pick up in verse 2, it says, I say, keep the king's commandment for the sake of of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. Where the word of the king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. And a wise man's heart discerns both times and judgment. Because for every matter, there is a time and judgment. Though the misery of man increases greatly For he does not know what will happen So who can tell him what will occur No one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit And no one has power in the day of death There is no release from that war And wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it So now we are reminded once again that we should obey God-given authorities. Obey God-given authorities. At the time that the preacher is writing this, kings were the normal form of government. Now, we still have them today, but of course we live here in 21st century America where a, a democracy is the preferred form of government. At least where we're living, it is. So the idea here, he's talking about it in relation to a king. 
And for us today, our God-given authorities in America is our elected officials who we actually have a say in who we elect, at least one vote for each one of us, unless we're ballot stuffing, which is illegal. So don't even get any silly thoughts about that. But the idea here is we need to obey God-given authority. And what is being explained here, it's a reminder of how it's important to be obedient to the authorities over you, in this case, the king. Now notice, it runs down a number of things. It says, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. So he's saying, one, you should obey the God-given authority because you made an oath that you would do that. Not only that, verse 3, don't be hasty to go from his presence. So it means don't depart from the presence of the king in haste because you're frustrated or angry. Then it says, do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. So don't align yourself with evil because the king has authority over the people. Notice what it says, verse 4, where the word of the king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? One of the problems with authority is that whoever has it, you don't really know if they're going to do good at it or not. Isn't that the biggest issue? When people have power, are they going to servant lead with that power, like Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, or are they going to do whatever they want? And we know that that's really not an authority problem. That's a heart problem in humans. Each one of us in the places that we find ourselves in authority, whether in our homes, in our divisions, on our jobs, some of you own companies, some of you head of your HOA association, head of the racquetball club, whatever your, your areas, how are you leading? The problem with power, of course, and we've talked about this before, is that oftentimes when people have power, they're not really concerned about anybody else. They're just doing what they want to do. That's what it says here. The word of the king, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Why? Because he'll do whatever pleases him. Now, don't miss the irony of this. And it's interesting. If you read a lot of theology, which I'm sure that all of you do, one of the contemporary arguments in theology is about, do you remember in the beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes, this guy is a king. So it's interesting. He is a king and he's telling everybody what? Obey the king. Hmm. <laughs> Quite self-serving of him, isn't it? And it is. And there is a, some theme. For those of you who like to read, you can read about how biblical theology and empire mix. Because don't forget, the children of Israel were never meant to have a king. God wanted to be their king. But remember in the time, 1 Samuel, the people wanted to be like the other nations. We want a king. It was like, no, no, he's going to take all your money. He's going to take your cattle. Like, no, no, we want to be like everybody else. And Saul was chosen, and he was preceded by David, who was preceded by Solomon, and the whole thing. But it's interesting how some of the themes in theology change when you have the belief in the one true and living God as it relates to empire. Now, the reason I think this is very important, or maybe important, for us is that we live in, by all accounts in America, we live in an empire. Even though it's not the Roman Empire, we function with the same distinctives in America as any traditional empire, except we don't call them that anymore. Jesus is real. 
I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus at Israel Radio. It's exciting to me that you would take the time to listen to this. It is my distinct hope that each one of us would simply respond to Jesus. That's a big idea for me, for Crossroads Community Church, and for Jesus is Real Radio, that each one of us would meet with Jesus, what I like to say, at street level, because Jesus is right where you are. He is right there in the middle of your situation and in the middle of your circumstances. Jesus is right there, and Jesus wants each one of us to learn how to simply respond to him. What that means is that at every moment, Jesus prompts us and we take that step. And it's my hope for you as you're listening to this program that you would find yourself each day simply responding to Jesus more and more. You'll become more loving, more kind, more gracious, more generous, not just financially, but in every single area of your life. You'd find yourself desiring to serve others and not just hoping that everyone is there to serve you. When we simply respond to Jesus, we become closer and closer and closer to who God created us to be. And so we say that Jesus is real and he is and he exists right where you are and he is inviting you to partner with him in recreating the world. So Jesus wants to change the world and he is looking for available people, people like you and like me. So please, as you listen, simply respond to Jesus and engage yourself in the work of God's kingdom in your community and in your world. God bless you so much.